Okay, Kaylee. So let's face it. Everyone loves a good supervillain. Mm-hmm. Supervillains are sometimes more interesting than the heroes. Who would? What kind of supervillain would you be? I would like to be the sort of supervillain who starts off with the best intentions, and then they're you know how it always spirals. They're like, I want to help humankind, and then they eventually go like, the only way to help them is to kill them all, like that. That's my vibe. <laughs> so you're kind of at the start of this wave in in your in your own life. <laughs> you're yeah, like, I'm yeah. going to give good things to all the people, and like shit's coming down on you soon. Pretty much, I, I feel like it would be like you're a nice person. You're like, I want everyone to be happy, but as you keep seeing how awful humanity is, mm. like maybe she starts off quite like quiet and shy, and she sort of is trying to be nice. Maybe something bad happens to her. I had like this little vision of her becoming like. I don't even want to be called like she sort of becomes like have you seen the gremlins too no I've seen oh. the gremlins one and well, that was enough has, for me it has a gremlin that like becomes electricity so it sort of goes into the wires and stuff against well, like Pikachu screen. yeah I meant like Pikachu but it just goes like and disappears into like the phone lines or into the computers and ooh, how x-filesy very so I thought maybe that could be like her thing like she accidentally becomes like an electric thing so she mm. keeps flexing and it drives her mad. Your um, your villainous motives make me think of um, iRobot. And you know how the, the the big evil robot, Vicky, at the end, explains that um, she's got all the robots to basically imprison the humans because the humans are hurting each other so much that they have to be imprisoned for their own good. And that follows the laws of robotics. I'm a robot. That makes sense of all my electric flexing. There you go. You're like you you are you start off as a humane and wonderful spirited person. You're like la la la, I have a basket. You might have a basket. You you dance around, you're like little town. It's a quiet village. And <laughs> and then suddenly you see like murder happen and you're like, the world is shit. I'm gonna become electricity and kill everyone. No, I think I become electricity against my will, maybe in like trying to save someone else and then I'm like how can I help humanity but I've got this little computer part of my brain and that's where it all goes wrong so when you're running away from the murder you just like hit an electronic pylon yeah yeah, that's what superheroes do I've seen them it does happen it does happen it's 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 an everyday hazard I would love to be a, a villain who can change into different animals Mm. I love that power and I love to use it for villainous purposes because like if you I'd I'd be like the bullied kid at school who turns into a psychopath because they've been bullied and is trying to take it out on all the bullies like every teen horror film but a superhero (laughs) teen horror film and Mm. I'd turn into like uh, a lion or a crocodile or a giant snake or or something like that or I'd also turn myself into like a rat or something and then like eat them or a pig and eat them because pigs will like eat humans if they're humans just like lying down and not moving i like that you have to be an animal to do that bit (laughs) well (laughs) no because that then i don't leave fingerprints or any kind of markings little trotter prints yeah but when i'm a human they won't detect the trotter prints they'll get fingerprints i um so uh, yeah, they, they 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 find like the dead body and they'll be like, oh, it was a freak crocodile attack in the gym. Oh no. And they so won't know it's funny. a supervillain. It always happens when that bullied kid isn't in the room. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> 
the the kind of fun twist of it would be that the bullies don't because usually in films like this the bullies work it out they're like well maybe it's that that kid that we traumatized with that <laughs> awful trick where we threw pig's blood onto her head in the prom or something like that but in this one the bullies are so stupid that they just like but we were great at school everyone loved us <laughs> that is what? more realistic bullies Who, were- it is more realistic the, bu- the bullies don't always know they're a bully no they probably be like they bullied us Mm. They always made us feel bad about their horrible lives. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they made us see ugliness. And we don't want to see ugliness. We want to see yeah. beauty. Yeah, I like that. Well, you know what? If we combined, if we did like a TV series, so maybe your one is the villain of the first series. Mm. And somehow I get got at the end of that series after figuring out and bringing you down. Mm. And then I'm the, the unexpected villain at the end of season two, because then I come back as electricity. You have a, you're in the final scene of the season where it like goes dark and you go <sighs> like breathing heavily, and then it goes cuts to credits, and everyone goes, <gasps> season three is gonna be epic. Oh my god, we thought that pig killed her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that damn pig got away. <laughs> it's one of our weaker Netflix pitches, but I think we can make it work. Netflix will go for anything these days. They will. I watched The Princess Switch too. I'm not going to say it was bad. It was interesting. So it was bad. Yeah, I would say it was bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen clips of it. It looks pretty bad. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, we're not here to discuss it, but I would say it is gaslighting at its finest. And that's all I'm going to say. It? Let me just put onto our list of bonus episodes, Princess Switch. <laughs> just for, sorry, Princess Switch 2. <laughs> yeah, we only do one. There's- Hello, and welcome to The Marvel Virgin, a podcast all about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. My name is Paul, and I'm a Marvel Virgin. And my name is Kaylee, and I'm a Marvel whore. For each episode, Paul is watching a Marvel movie or TV series for the very first time, and with my help, we'll be delving into the good and not-so-good aspects of the MCU, and navigating the secrets and intricacies of this big and complex universe. If you'd like to send in any questions, comments, factoids, or even if you'd like to correct anything we've said, after all, we're not perfect, then you can tweet us at The Marvel Virgin. We'd love to hear from you. Enjoy the show. But we're not going to talk about The Princess Switch 2. We're going to go back into the world of television. Yay! And we're going to talk about Agents Carter. I was literally about to say Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. There's too many agents. Agent Carter season one, which is a much more bearable length of eight episodes. Mm-hmm. It's Quite a tidy funny. little lump, isn't it? I like that. <laughs> That's me. I'm a tidy little lump. <laughs> and I really enjoyed this. Yeah, I did too. And I, I think we know that it's because we've got a nice strong female character for once. She's really strong. Like she kicks ass in fight scenes. Her her hand hand combat scenes were my highlight. I was like, yeah, go Agent Carter. And she's also very funny. Yes. She gets some genuinely funny moments. And she's also like drop dead gorgeous. Yeah. That well as yeah. well, and that helps. Obviously, it's not like a necessary thing, but it helps. It helps, and she's also very relatable because she's got like. Well, I mean, obviously, we don't all have boyfriends who drop into the sea, but we've all had heartbreak to deal with and problems. What, you don't? Well, I mean, <laughs> he's fine at the moment, but you never know. Um, yeah, like, 
working in a male heavy office as well I quite mm. like how she uses her her feminine wiles to be invisible almost and be like less of a threat like with the, the first episode where she's like women's troubles I can't tell you how many times we use that line to get us like we don't want to do just women's troubles people get uncomfortable I love it oh so all those times I've been told it it wasn't true it might maybe sometimes true. it was like 20% of the time it may have been true most <laughs> <laughs> ah. of the time we're lying I like that she it addresses the fact that she's like one woman in an office and obviously that's totally realistic it's like 1946 and women didn't really go to work and I also like that when she's doing her own bits of sort of covert espionage because she's a bit of a lone she has to be a bit of a lone ranger in this she actually doesn't have much up her sleeve uh, like there's the there's the bit where she's crawling under desks to try and like get into one of the desk drawers yeah. and try and unlock it before the guy comes back in and there's still other guys in the office so she's trying to she's ducking underneath the desk and then like pops up when no one's looking so she can get back i like that because i was like that's exactly what i would do if i was trying to rifle through someone's drawers and me too i'd be like i mean i would do it much worse than she did but i would definitely be crawling around and like just ducking constantly she's like she's a very human character because mm. i feel like with marvel everyone's very even like the human characters of shield agents of shield were very like perfect and we said that they're not very easy to yeah. relate or if she felt like a relationship she had female friends she did have female friends i loved Angie. is it angie who's the actress yes I angie's so. the actress who works in the diner and yeah. angie i loved angie because angie is like all of us like when, because Angie invites her to live in this sort of block of flats hotel thing for women who like yes. working single women who need to live somewhere. And um, and when Angie's like t- taking her around, she's like, that's Sharon, she's a slut. And I was like, oh, I do that. <laughs> you do do that. Yeah. And I just thought that their relationship was very true as well. Like how you can perceive a slight and it festers. And uh, it's just very, very good and realistic. But what I will say, even though we're not onto this point yet, is um, some people think it, that the feminism in it is a bit too overt or too clunky. And I would say it, maybe it feels that way because we don't normally get feminism in TV shows. So if everybody's just like, whoa, what, what the hell is this? Women who are strong and independent? Especially in Marvel TV shows. And I would argue that it's written for a, 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 a younger audience yeah. who, and who needs to, need it simplified. I would say if, you know, that, that's the thing, the, the Marvel TV series, they are noticeably more lightweight than the films. And that's not a criticism. It's just, they just are. Cause who doesn't love a bit of lightweight stuff? It's not Game of Thrones. It's not The Walking Dead. It's, it's freaking comic strips in TV. I like that, um, your most relevant and recent TV options <laughs> were two shows that aren't on anymore pretty much. Okay. It's not The Crown. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> It's not the Queen's Gambit. Ah, yes. There we go. Very, very on topic. Obviously, Queen's Gambit is much more sort of subtle, layered feminism and more realistic. Whereas, yeah, this is like, oh, God, I just I just really struggle being a woman in this office. And they're all like, she's a woman. She can't fight. And even the coffee. Has. <laughs> yeah. I was like, the, did you see Enola Holmes? It was a similar thing. She was like, I'm Enola Holmes. My brothers don't think I can do anything because I'm a girl. And you're like, okay. I mean, it is a little bit grating sometimes, but mm. the younger audience, you need that. So. But I, I liked how sardonic she was with mm. it. Like she, she always, she, Hayley Atwell does this so well. She kind of looks at people like, what are you 
talking about? Why are you saying like there was a bit where her and Jarvis are handcuffed to the table. So they decide to throw the table through the window. And Jarvis goes, What about the what about the glass that smashes? She goes, There'll be a spray of glass. And he goes, <laughs> and then he goes, What if there are men on the other side with guns? She goes, There'll be a spray of bullets. <laughs> yeah, she's a, she's very good. I really like, I mean. We're just gonna keep being like, I like this, I like this. And kind of it's like a ping pong of I like this is but, us for an hour. Just like we love it, we love it, we love it. What I was going to say is that her and Jarvis have a very cool relationship. Remind me of Lady Penelope and Parker. Yeah, I go with that, definitely. Or Lara Croft and her butler, but less so that. <laughs> but also, she doesn't lock Jarvis in the freezer. Not yet. There is a season two. Uh, oh, that's the twist. That. that was something they missed on the Tomb Raider movies is they never locked the butler in the freezer. I'm like, you need a moment where the butler gets locked in the freezer. You need a nod. Mm. She takes action. There's no messing about. She obviously can't stand silliness and faffing and inefficiency. And I'm totally here for that. I identify with that. And I wish to work with her and meet her in real life, mm-hmm. even though I can't. That first, even that first sequence where she gets locked outside the diner in the alleyway, she punches him in the face, runs, tries to get in another couple of doors, realises she can't, sees the car coming, shoots the tyres out and then immediately points the gun in the window. I was like, she is just on it. Like, she's stressed, but she's on it. And they really emphasise that because, you know, the men all underestimate her, but she's actually so much more capable than them. And you especially see it in the episode where they go, I think they don't go to Russia, do they? They go to Belarus. Yeah. And um, and she like she's the, she's like, I can do it. I know the people there. And they're like, you can't go there. You can't go. And then she goes out the door, does a phone call, comes back in and goes, I've just rang them. They're expecting you. And I'm coming with because she just knows <laughs> that she can arrange it. It's yeah. I think she she was a re- she's really, really strongly characterized. I think mm-hmm. it's a bit of a shame that I, I assume she comes back into the films here and there. But yeah. I think it's a bit of a shame that she's not like a full part. Like she's not actually one of the Avengers. I, I do as well. I guess the problem is she's just in a whole other timeline. She'd be like an old doddery lady in this, but yeah, yeah, it is a shame. She should have been the one to fall into the sea, get frozen, and then come back 75 years later. Well, there could be an alternate timeline, couldn't there? That'd be quite cool. I know in, um, there is an alternate timeline where she becomes Captain Britain. I've also, I do you think, um, what did you think of her relationship with Howard Stark? You know what? This is my one low light of it is Howard Stark. It's just the whole of Howard Stark. It's the whole of Howard Stark. I felt, I thought they, they obviously are making him like he's a billionaire playboy and he's a genius and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that makes him the father of Tony Stark very much so. But Dominic Cooper, I don't think has um, Robert Downey Jr.'s effervescence. That's a good word. We haven't had that one yet. I know. (laughs) Tick. Add it to the bingo list. Um, yeah, I know what you mean. I do I do quite like him. I feel like they, I, I, a lot of people when this first came out thought that they were going to, the big twist was that they would get together and Peggy would actually be Tony Stark's mum. Oh, that's that's almost incestuous. It would be weird, right? I was like, <laughs> no, it's not going to happen. And thank God it did not because it would be the weirdest twist. Then you'd be like, is that, does that come up in the films? Would Tony not just be like, oh, Steve, mate. You know the girl you were in love with and still are. She's my mum. It'll be one of those kind of twists they have in soap operas, which doesn't quite add up or something. And they're just like, we're just not going to address all the underlying issues that come with that family twist. I guess the problem with Steve and her is, and I was just talking to Chris about this a little while ago, was that 
you never really see them together. You just sort of see them observing each other and then they're in love. Mm. Whereas with this, there's lots of different men that she engages with and they have like a rapport and they have the chemistry and you, it's a sort of different kind of love story. Yeah, I, I just... I found Howard Stark very difficult to engage with because of that. I felt like there needs to be more sort of um, idiosyncrasies of Tony Stark in him. Doesn't have to be an impersonation, but a little bit more. I felt like it was, you know, he they had his money, they had his, you know, womanizing, and that was about it, really. Uh, for Howard, I, he was he was my low light. Was Howard Stark? I felt like they could have like characterized him a bit better. I was more like Peggy. There's this guy with crutches right over there he's the only one that respects you in this office and he's really dishy yeah should go for him yeah yeah I mean there's lots of different men that she has very good relationships with but I quite Mm. like that her and Howard are platonic and that Mm. he respects her I guess in a in his own weird way he doesn't respect many people or women but he seems to respect her well yeah because he goes to her so this is how it all starts off Peggy is working in uh, the SSR in 1946 the war has ended Captain America is I don't know frozen or something and um yeah and she's kind of she has nothing to kind of fight for so she's and obviously the men have gone back to kind of being men and being like oh you know get back into the household find a husband whatever she's like I don't want to find a husband I just fought a war I just met like this guy and who's you know got the best chest ever and he got injected with this stuff that made him superhuman and stuff so um but the ssr who she works for is investigating howard stark because um they think he's selling weapons to bad people and by bad people i mean communists yeah the worst kind of people <laughs> and uh but howard stark has gone so howard stark's gone into hiding uh, but he is the one who secretly makes contact with Peggy. He goes to her. He's like, the only one that can stand by me is Peggy. Because we've got a, you've got a, a professional connection and she's good. And she is good. She's very capable. She won't punch Jarvis in the, f- oh. <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's, I guess that's down to Howard Stark and Jarvis's kind of like not being as good as her. They're like, we'll just go up to her and she'll trust us. Oh, no, actually, we have to earn her trust. Yeah, and we did it in the most creepy way. Bring single woman alone, unarmed, into a dark alley. I'm sure that'll be fine. You know where we need to approach her? A dark alleyway where she's cornered. Why not just sit in front of her in the booth <laughs> and go, <laughs> why don't you come outside? I have someone who wants to see you. Wink, just, it might be Howard. Just meet her in pret a Or Ellenel <laughs> or whatever the... That was the diner, wasn't it? Ellenel? I can't remember. What, I don't know the name of the diner. It's Angie's him. Diner. <laughs> It's May as well be. Um, I did think the SSR was a really dull name for an organization when we've just had Shield Hydra. But yeah, but this is pre that they've got to build up to the Shield and Hydras of their world. But they've already had Hydra. Yeah, but they need to build up to a cooler name. (laughs) That's the only reason they created Shield. Was like our name needs to be cooler. Yeah, they're called Hydra guys. And yeah, the whole sort of series is about Peggy trying to find proof that proves that Howard Stark did not sell these weapons. Some of his stuff, so a lot of these these weapons, in inverted commas, are stuff that he's invented. And it's a lot of stuff where I'm like, why did you invent that? Why, what possessed you to invent this super dangerous thing in a time when there are super dangerous people? He didn't really think it through, I guess, but maybe that's the same with all weapons manufacturers. Yeah, yeah. The lesson that we could all take away: don't do it. Don't do it. That's like the guy who invented the nuclear bomb. I was he he regretted it, didn't he? 
immediately. Mm. Quite right too. Yes, yes. Um, but this means that she has to go undercover within the SSR. So her colleagues do not know what she's up to. And they're also trying to track him down. But they are sort of tracking her down, even though they don't know it's her that they're tracking down. Espionage 101. I like it. It's very espionage. It fits in with the sort of 1940s aesthetic. Yes. You know, those cool hats and the suits and everything. And they had the music, the kind of, what's the kind of music? The da 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 da, like that kind of music yeah. that goes on in the background, like Pink Panther kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't think what it would be called. Mm. Pink Panther music is fine. I'll take that. Uh, and Howard Stark also has some of Captain America's blood. Yes, that's creepy, isn't it? It's very um, vampiric of him. Yeah, a little bit Frankensteinish. So Captain America's blood is powerful like Hulk's is because he got injected with a serum that is then related to Hulk's one. Yeah, well, I I think think it's just that they can maybe work out what they did because he's the only one that's worked so far of the super soldiers, right? Right, okay. So I imagine it was for that reason. The reason I ask is that at the end, when Peggy when Peggy has the blood, she get, it gets given to her at the end. She then finally says goodbye to her beloved Captain America and she pours it into the river. And I was thinking if that blood is like really powerful, like Hulk's blood, then you're going to get a lot of fish coming out the sea with six packs and good hair. And they're <laughs> going to be like, I just want to fight for America. And that's just, that's a disaster. (laughs) That's how evolution happened the first time. This is just the next step. (laughs) You know, there's all sorts of weird things in the Thames. It might be a similar situation, like that free-eyed fish in the um, the Simpsons and stuff. Mm, Yeah, I don't want to know what's in the Thames. No. There's some weird shit down there, I bet. It can't even, so it has to sort of like ooze. There's like no water. (laughs) It's like the blob. The Thames is the blob. The fat bug. (laughs) She's also really angry because... Um, she get well. She gets angry because uh, she doesn't find out till later that they have his blood, and I think that's her. She's sort of clinging on to him throughout, isn't she? Onto the, her relationship with him. So she has to kind of say goodbye, find her own feet in this world. Uh, but she also discovers that um, a lot of the inventions are being chased by a secret organization called Le- Leviathan. 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 I don't know how to pronounce it, but yeah, you're correct. That Le- word. Levi. Was it Levy? Levy. I mean, why can't they have a cool name like Hydra? What's the problem there? I know, I know. You know, Levy of Lev. Lev I'm going to look up. Leviathan. 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 Yes. Leviathan. It's believable. I'm going to keep saying it until I say it right. Leviathan. <laughs> so Leviathan are super secret, and they got very. They got these super creepy agents who have no voice. Yeah. That's creepy. And a creepy typewriter, like a ghost typewriter. It's got some good horror elements. I kind of wish there was a spin-off series about those guys. I know, right? There were some creepy moments. Like there was the typewriter, which was creepy. The bit where, because the SSR eventually get the typewriter. And the typewriter is something they use to communicate with their agents. But it types like a ghost would type it. Um, And there's a bit in the, the SSR boss suddenly sees the typewriter start to type and the episode ends. And that was kind of, that gave me shudders. I thought yeah. that was creepy. And the, 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 the final invention that they were after, the one where it's a gas that causes people to go into like murderous rampages and kill each other. And there was that scene in the cinema. Like the purge. There is like the purge, yeah. A gas well, version of the purge. Yeah, or the Rick and Morty episode. Everyone mm. needs a purge. It's exactly that. Um, again, 
why would you invent this Howard Stark? What is what purpose does this serve? No, he didn't, did he? It was an accident, accidental byproduct of what he was trying to invent. Uh, he's very careless, then, isn't he? It is the worst possible accidental byproduct he could have made. It is. It's like and- it happened to him because he could have just gone mad in his own laboratory and murdered everyone. It's true. It's true. He could have been a yeah. He could have turned into like a Jekyll and Hyde kind of person, couldn't he? He kind of tells them very blasé that that happened. She's like, why would you make this? Like, yeah, I was kind of trying to make a good thing, but it became this awful, terrible murder gas. That fits his character quite well, though, isn't it? That's exactly how to, like Tony Stark would invent something just as bad. And he'd be like, oh, shit. Uh, OK, well, yeah, I kind of invented that, but I'm going to stop it. Don't worry. <laughs> Yeah, that's very true. I love that all of these traits are genetic as well. <laughs> <laughs> we pass down your total total disregard for health and safety and the future of the human race. Yes, and your womanizing. Good and luck. your womanizing. And and my money. That's genetic, as it's oh, genius. Out. The genius as well. The genius is it's absolutely genetic, yeah. Um and another uh thing that I found quite creepy was um the the girl soldiers. Um, yeah. So Le- Le- Leviathan, Leviathan, Leviathan. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see my face go up? And I'm, I'm never going to say it. So it's all on you. I'm so sorry. No, you 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 will have to say. It. I'm going to make you say it at some point. Leviathan train up these young girls, and it has a flashback to them in the training center, and they're like handcuffed to their beds. And they're just trained to be these unthinking killing machines. They're like the unsullied in Game of Thrones, basically, aren't they? And there was one where two girls had to duel and fight each other. And because one was kind of weak, the teacher just nods and the stronger girl just kills her. So in your training session, you could just be like murdered by one of them. Yeah, that's a lot of pressure. I would fail. Like Mm. under pressure, no good for me. No way, no way. I wonder how they recruited. Like, did they did they put it in newspapers and be like, must have psychopathic tendencies, no attachment to the human race, blonde hair, and be beautiful. Well, I mean, you take a couple I, of those boxes. I know. I was thinking that that kind of is me. That <laughs> minus hopefully the psychopathic tendencies. Yeah. Well, obviously, like Black Widow ends up in the same environment later on, doesn't she? So. It's, it's interesting seeing the prototype because they obviously have the same fighting style and the same horrible upbringing. So it's interesting to see. Yeah, yeah, that is true. I didn't connect that actually, but yeah, she would have come from a similar background, but I guess she would have been born later. But still, yeah. it's well, the, these Russians and their fighting skills. The, the woman who played Dottie actually watched Scarlett Johansson's like choreographies and fighting skills, so she mirrors it in her fighting scenes clever yeah. she was very good she was wasn't she she said like when she gets out the car like when that, that security guard sent to the car she's like oh hey there and you're like and the camera just pans down and you're like oh he's dying in some horrible way i just don't want to know <laughs> the way she just flips every time yeah like because they're trained to be to be able to just change their kind of personalities to like mm-hmm. blend in and i i loved how she was revealed like the the other leviathan leviathan ah, leviathan <laughs> guy um he he's like approaching Peggy's apartment and she comes out she's like hi there and then she just suddenly jumps onto the wall and like kills him and I went yeah. oh and then it and then after that it's revealed where she comes from but I thought I thought it was that was a really cool idea that they use very well is this sort of super super fighting woman 
it was cool to have a female villain and a female hero in the same series because you, you normally only get one or t'other really t'other nice yeah tick yeah i thought that yeah i really liked them i thought they were they were another highlight of mine and they are they are working with leviathan to um to find these various inventions so they could be super powerful i'm guessing that are they they're not employed by the russian well, are they employed by the russian government it's not really explained is it they're just the evil it's- russians Evil Russians. I'd like to think that they're not employed by the Russian government and they're in their their own like little independent, awful situation. Because then it implies that Russian people aren't all evil. Yeah. We we first meet actual Leviathan people uh, in the episode where Peggy and at the SSR uh, with um, Sousa, no, not Sousa, she goes with Chad Michael Murray. (laughs) <laughs> who I didn't realize was still working. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> nice to see you. Um, and he, they go to Belarus and they meet Captain America's old gang. It was a nice little crossover. That was nice, wasn't it? It's good to see they're all mostly still alive. They are still alive. They, they survived. And they, they go into a, an old abandoned facility where they find two old prisoned Russian scientists one dies and the other one escapes with them. And they're like, why don't you come back to New York City? And he's like, okay, I will. And then the, like the next episode is revealed that he's the head of Leviathan. It's yeah. him. And he has this power where he can hypnotize people with his voice. And his little twiddly ring. He was good. I liked the way he was doing signals out the windowsill uh, and with the Morse code. That was it. That was, that was revealed so well. She's... Dottie is on the other side with a sniper rifle and you think she's going to kill the the Russian scientist and he turns around and it turns out she's not pointing at him. She's doing a little Morse code light thing at him and he's answering back and you're like, they're in league with each other. That was very well. Russians. These damn, never trust a Russian. I like how, um, I like how American, like her voices and that she's learned that from TV. Yes. Yeah. They learn. Yeah. They they watch. They're watching Snow White, aren't they? Which is is fortunate that this is a Disney series because they don't have to buy the copyright for that one. Yeah, and her voice is very like enunciated American vows of a Disney princess when she mm. is being whatever accent or vibe she's going through. It's which, it's which helps for various you know dunderheaded men to yeah. like fall to her whim and be like, oh, I can trust this you know, beautiful statue of a woman. Oh no, you can't. Your neck's just snapped. See or, original, um, Killing Eve. Or, yeah, very, very Jodie Comer in Killing Eve. Or in the case of that poor dentist, you've had a dentist drill just pushed into your head. Ooh. It was violent for a Disney series. Yeah, you're right, actually. I wonder, what was the, the rating on it? I think it was a 12. Well, apparently kids are fine with drills in the neck then. I don't know. Kids are desensitised. They have Fortnite now. So it doesn't, they, they can watch violence. Um, and the whole, the whole series climaxes where, where Leviathan is trying to get this particular invention that drives people into a murderous purge-like rampage. Um, and they try to spread it over New York City by hypnotising Howard Stark into driving a plane, containing yeah. it. But Peggy manages to talk him down because she's hearty and just capable of anything. She just saves everyone's asses all the time. He does. That was my only, um, well, not my only, but that was one of my lowlights was the fact that the last episode was very much about Howard Stark rather than Peggy. Yeah, I yeah, I, I thought they put too much on him, I think. I mean, they had a, a lot about her, but um, again, I, I wasn't massively buying into their friendship because I wasn't as engaged with Howard Stark as I was with her. 
Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I don't know why. It just sort of, and I, I, it was quite sweet that his his biggest mistake or regret was Captain America going in the sea. That was quite nice because you kind of imagine it's going to be another one of these awful inventions that he's invented. Like, oh no, I created a dog that's actually um, a gargoyle that eats babies or something like that. But it was, it was this very noble. <laughs> noble issue. <laughs> I see, that's, there's a there's a gap in the market for a dog that's actually a gargoyle that eats babies. <laughs> that's where my brain goes. That's all. I'm that's, a, a, that's another X Files episode. <laughs> I'm not a scientist. I don't know what a scientist would actually invent, but that's what I've got. <laughs> Do you think they just sit there and being like dogs, gargoyles, babies? <gasps> I got it, Eureka. <laughs> Well, no, because he would be inventing not that. That would be the byproduct. It was supposed to be another thing that he'd made by mistake. <laughs> I imagine him being like, I found a cure for cancer, but your eyes fall out. Ah, yes. This is more him. Yes, that would exactly. <laughs> it's very needful things. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes, he's the devil. <laughs> yes, yeah. You make something you kind of want, but also you kind of don't. Yeah, I don't want the uh, the murder gas. Thank you very much. That cinema was like, ugh, after, ooh, it was it was nasty. It was grim. That was a really disturbing scene, I thought. Very, very disturbing. I, th- I just thought it was done really well. And then when Sousa picks up the canister, I'm like, don't pick up the fucking canister. Don't do that. And then Put he does. And then he has to be, he goes into a little frenzy as well. But it's good that he's actually disabled in a way because it means <laughs> that he can be, you know, subjugated a little bit more easily. <laughs> I'm sure no one's ever heard that line before. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's fortunate for the other characters. If he was, if that was Captain America breathing that in, I mean, they're doomed. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, imagine if Hulk got it. He's kind of already got it, I guess, every time he goes into a green state. But He has control over it now. He's always angry. Yeah. It would be a really interesting Avengers movie if they all got the gas and then just went like, and attacked everyone. <laughs> they're Basically, the Avengers get stoned. <laughs> and just lose control of their powers completely. Um, but yeah, Peggy, they succeed um, and defeat them. D- Dottie gets pushed out the window, but they say that she survives, don't they? Or does she die? Because it looked like she died. And then later on, Peggy was like, she's still alive. I was like, oh, okay. Maybe, I thought she died, but maybe I wasn't. Maybe she was talking about someone else. I'm not really sure. But, um, but there is a there is another kick-ass fight scene between them. And I thought that was really good. Yeah, it's over a little bit too quickly for me. I would have liked to have seen it go on a I little bit. I, I thought it would have escalated a bit more because Dottie just seemed like un, unconquerable. And yeah. Peggy's a good fighter, but I thought she hasn't had this kind of Russian Snow White training. No, she hasn't. And you know what? Maybe that's the new thing with the Marvel TV series is that the villains are always very quickly defeated at the end because we thought that about mm-hmm. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. This is true, actually. This happened. They the villain is built up and up and up, and then literally something very suddenly happens, and they're like, "Oh shit, I'm gonna die!" And they die, like strip, yeah. like or or somehow get like defeated or stopped in some way. It is it is wrapped up very quickly. But maybe that's maybe that's what the people want. Maybe they they're not looking for a, a an elongated ending. They just like they know once the villain's plan falls apart, they know what's going to happen. So let's just do it. Yeah, it's very true. Now, apparently she hit her head hard and survived the fall. Oh, okay. I don't think, oh, I can't remember if they showed that. I might have been, I might have been like on Facebook at that point. When they... It must have been second series then, because I, I can't remember. I watched these a long time ago, so I'm going to have to... We'll find out in approximately 10 to 15 episodes. Yes, we will. <laughs> I'm sure she just pops up, because I, I really don't remember her being in it, so maybe she's just like a, a fleeting moment that I've, I've yeah. forgotten. 
um it ends with another frequent trope that we have um that we have addressed is bad prison decisions yeah because bloody leviathan guy (laughs) leviathan guy gets his mouth wide shut which good decision because he can't hypnotize people and i also like the way Sousa pretended to be hypnotized but it turned out he plugged up his ears that was good leviathan guy is put in prison who's he put in a prison cell with bloody toby jones from Captain america who's a freaking nazi and we already know that he's got like hydra under his thumb and stuff that's like putting putting leatherface in a prison with blooming hannibal lecter or voldemort or voldemort <laughs> yes <laughs> Someone who's too magical powerful with someone who's normal evil. And then they're like, yes, we will use your power to be more evil than we already are. I know. I was, who who signed that? Who was sitting there in, in the desk being like, you know what? These guys will get on really well. Maybe they'll see the error of their ways through their friendship. Maybe that's it. They're like, they have to character profile. So like, we can't put him in with a normal person or, you know, we wouldn't be very fair in the normal prisoners. We better put him in with that Nazi we've got knocking around. The best way to ensure that villains don't get out is to put them all in one cell together. And then we can always watch them. <laughs> and hopefully they won't teach each other their, their little tricks that they know. Yeah, seriously, piss poor idea. I know exactly what's going to happen with that. Because I've seen Thor the Dark World and Guardians of the Galaxy where prisoners always get out. <laughs> That's maybe the motif of Marvel that we, <laughs> we need to address at some point. Maybe the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe is a commentary on badly run prisons. I think it must be. And corruption. Those mm-hmm. two. We've discovered the ultimate meaning behind all of it. I liked Sousa also, not just because he's attractive and because he's a nice guy, but because they, there was a bit of sort of disability representation yep. in there, which obviously is also a rarity in superhero films because everyone's got to be, you know, fighting fit and strong and stuff. And, you know, it's nice, to, although it's not really clear what he has and what he has is obviously not as debilitating as what other people might have, but it shows that he can... He's still sort of gutsy and courageous enough to overcome his sort of physical disability. Yeah, no, that's very true. I like him as a character anyway, just because he's very respectful and treats Peggy as like a normal colleague. And he's not, he's not like, he's not kind of bullied by the colleagues. Yeah. They kind of make jokes at him, but he's still sort of one of them. Like he's included within them. And that means that when... Uh, Thompson, who's Chad Michael Murray's character. So he's a bit of an asshole to Peggy, but he gradually becomes nicer as it goes on when he sees how capable and strong Peggy is. And it means that that turnaround for him, you can buy into it and like him because you know that he's been good to everyone else and that deep down he's actually a good guy. That's very true. Um, But yeah, overall, I thought this was great fun. As I said, lightweight, not the Queen's Gambit, but I don't need a Queen's Gambit all the time, you know? We don't need it all the time. And I, I loved how beautiful this was to look at. Yeah. Not, it's nice to have a period drama that's fun. Reminds me of the Downton Abbey days. Yes. <laughs> Although I don't know if Downton Abbey meant to be fun, but no. we all laughed at it anyway. No, I, I quite like the idea of having, I would quite like to have different superheroes in different time periods, like a Victorian superhero. And mm. um, what else could we have? All of them. But I think a Victoria would be quite fun. But it's, it's just nice to go back in time because all the costumes are gorgeous and the way they behave. And it was nice seeing a woman in that environment. And They can tap into the sort of romanticism of it that we see. Because yeah. obviously, I wouldn't want to live in any of these times because there were 
there were horrible things going on, even in the most privileged of societies. But um, because it's a it's they lived a style that is so alien to us and wore a fashion that was so different to us. It, it seems quite glamorous and quite cool. It's something it's just because it's just because it's different. So I think it taps into that, doesn't it? That desire. It's like um, when uh, the office Christmas party party is always tw- 1920s themed. We're like, wasn't the 1920s glamorous? And we're like, yeah, okay. Janet from finance is like waving her pearls at you or some or a feather boa. Yes, and so I'm very Mrs. Fisher's marvelous. Have you ever seen that Mrs. Fisher's mysteries or whatever? No, but Doug loves it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that looks like a costume drama that's you know a lot lower budget than maybe this one. This one looks more realistic, costume drama. A lot of people got really obsessed because if you remember in Captain America, do you remember when he goes to the museum? And he watches that video of um, Peggy and she's talking about how heroic he was and how he often saved lots of soldiers. One of the people he saved went on to become her husband. So a lot of people really grabbed onto that and tried to sort of make this series about like, oh, who's going to be her husband? But I quite like that. It's not about that. Yeah, I guess they don't have a clear love interest. It's just various men around her and she's sometimes she's a bit flirty, sometimes just friendly. And that was subconsciously quite refreshing to me it'd be so easy to just have them fall in love because in even in agents of shield they're all sleeping with each other or want to at least aren't they yeah literally <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, it's it is nice to have just someone who that's not the whole definition normally when you have a film about a single woman the whole aim of it is that she's not single by the end of it or yeah it's nice that she remains single but it's just that it reminds you that there's other things that enrich your life Definitely, definitely. My only tweak would be Howard Stark's character, as I said. Who would you cast instead? Robert Downey Jr. No. Um, <laughs> who's vibrant and who can be vibrant and fun, but also kind of serious at the same time? Dance. Oh, he could do, actually. Yeah. That's not he, a bad choice. Very vibrant and fun in Eurovision, but we know he can be very serious in other things. So maybe that could be him. Or Curveball. The Rock. That is a curveball. Um, it's a curveball, but, but why not? Like, I just it, feel like if we're pretending Captain America is the most super soldiery looking person in the world. Of like, <laughs> yes, definitely bringing, bringing Dwayne The Rock Johnson. <laughs> he's like, why can't people be more like me? <laughs> he's, as strong, he's as strong as Captain America without the superhuman serum. In yeah. <laughs> if him. they give it to him, he just hulk out. He becomes Godzilla. <laughs> yeah. Let's quiz it. Let's quiz it. Now, caveat, very hard to find anything about Captain... I keep calling her Captain Carter, and that's not her name. Oh, but she should be called Captain Carter. Be cool, right? Mm. Um, Okay, what do you think it got on Rotten Tomatoes? Uh, 82? So, overall, series one and two got 86%. But for season one on its own, 96%. Wow. Yeah. I thought, I mean, I'd personally give it rough, roughly around that. I really, really enjoyed it. I just thought it wouldn't quite get that much, but nice. People loved the first series. Second series is like, but unfortunately, oh. like when they first put the series on TV, um, I think it's ABC who had it. That would make sense, wouldn't it, with Disney? Mm. Um, they really mucked up the timings. So they would put it on at like 9 p.m. on a Tuesday, one week, and then Wednesday at 6 p.m. So it meant that people kept missing it, and oh, yeah, they they kind of just messed it up a little bit. Though. That could but, be really disastrous for a TV series. 
That's what happened to Firefly. It got destroyed because of that. Really? Um, But yeah, they said that she's a very good, like, it's a very stylish drama with bursts of excitement and an undercurrent of cheeky fun. I don't know who wrote that. Just like my life. (laughs) Yes. It's based on you. Okay. um, What did you, did you spot her tribute to her fallen lover, Steve Rogers? Uh, Well, she keeps mentioning. Well, yeah. I'll get over it. That would be an obvious. He's only just died. <laughs> uh, no, I didn't spot a particular tribute. But he consistently wears red, white, and blue to work. Mm. Oh, uh... and I also spotted this wasn't like noted by anyone else, but I also noticed that um, I can't remember whose car it was, but one of the cars had like the wheels, like the Captain America shield. Oh, nice. How do you think they shot it to make it look vintagey with older cameras? No, that would be that's, that would be the obvious. Like ca- cameras from those days, with <laughs> they were absolutely massive, about eight foot tall. <laughs> like, oh, we didn't catch anything because we don't have the technology, but we did. It was nice. No, <laughs> they put um, Christian Dior stockings over the lenses. Oh, really? Yeah. And that creates that effect, does it? Apparently, like a sepia. I'm going to start putting it over this webcam in the laptop. Me too. I think I would look much better in this sort of vintage. <laughs> Like, hi, I'm in 1943. <laughs> um, did you recognize the scientist in the first episode? No, I can't even remember the scientist in the first episode. Ah, so he was the dad of Vanko from Iron Man 2. Who was that? Oh, the whips. Yeah. Ah, yeah, who's that? The father figure, the BDSM guy. Yeah, crossover, lots of crossover. Cross, cross, cross. Um, how do you be- think that uh, Hayley Atwell prepared for her role? We do this sometimes. Mm, okay. Uh, did she watch lots of 1940s like uh, black uh, film noir? Yes, she did. <laughs> so she watched lots of great Hollywood classics. And she watched a lot of Rita Hayworth and Catherine mm-hmm. Hepburn and Lauren. Oh, whose name I can't say. Bacall? Bacall. Bacall. Lauren you. Bacall, yeah. Yeah, and she also read a lot of books about women's lives in the 40s and looked at lots of images. She was like, people never sacrifice their femininity for the job that they had. So she made a big point of like, Peggy always looks pristine. She always has like yeah. red nails, red lipstick. She cool. looks very 1940s woman because um, in the, the 30s, the, the image was very snow white. It was petite and rounded and sort of cherub-like, but it could be kind of feisty and ferocious at the same time the 40s changed and i think it's because of the war and women the standards of beauty for women became much more statuesque and hard jawline and more sort of emotionally reserved but persevering and in and survival in the face of danger and i think it was it was to have a more heroic like glamour um i think that i think there's a massive turnaround with that between about sort of the late 30s early 40s definitely we're watching old films you can really see it definitely we should do a history of beauty and how it changes um which very is- interesting very you're like you get to like cinderella in disney and suddenly her neck is just so much longer and she's taller and like more triangular and stuff it's really noticeable yeah oh so i hadn't even thought of looking at like the disney characters because there's pocahontas mm. it's like well but you get to the nice. 90s and suddenly they've all got personal trainers and food problems and stuff like that because they're just insane bodies their bodies are just they would not be able to stand up no but she's a very sexualized character Pocahontas she's like Mm. I think she was based on a supermodel how do you think she physically trained for the role 
she worked out and did martial arts training. So, you know what? I love this because, you know, normally the men are like, I bulked up for weeks and weeks and months and I just ate mm-hmm. chicken. So she was like, so I did um, some drama school training 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> did Well done, yeah. Hayley. <laughs> yeah, she was like, oh, there was a lot of unarmed combat and dance. So she was like, she did some like, you know, running and yoga. And then she just, that's just, she just looked at that as her. <laughs> so, and I was like, yeah, what good for you? Cause I, I, think, I, get- I think she nailed it, quite frankly. I think she absolutely pulled it off. I really, really liked her. I did too. And you know, Mad Men had a similar thing where the women weren't allowed to work out because they wanted them to look like the women of that era. So uh, if they weren't okay. very bulky, muscly and wiry, they wouldn't have looked right. What accidents kept happening on set? Did a loose flamingo come running through the set? Yeah. And, and kept knocking things over. Yeah, exactly. No, it wasn't that. Um, she she accidentally hit quite a few guys in the balls when they were doing their their, their fights. <laughs> accidentally. Accidentally. <laughs> Oops, I'm such a klutz. <laughs> your face, I end up there in the crotch again. This is a question for you because I know you were interested in this. Mm-hmm. How old are Peggy Carter and Howard Stark in this series? Ah, so I was thinking about this because Peggy was in Captain America, The Winter Soldier, and that was released in 2014, I think, or something like that. And I assume set in 2014 because it seems to be set in the present day, which means that in 1946, having had a career and stuff, I would assume she's maybe about anywhere between 26 and 36. Nice. She's Um, 27. She's 27, which means that in Captain America the Winter Soldier, she's about a hundred and looked great. <laughs> she looks amazing. Yeah, well, she's very old, isn't she? So that's... Yeah, I get, yeah, wait, 27. Uh and is it actually set in 2014? I'm gonna look this up. Like, when is when is Captain America Winter Soldier set? Imagine if they're like 2000. It'd be like the Harry Potter films where it's like a shock 90s when you're like, what? No, she would have been 90, 96, 95, 96. He wakes up in 2011. Yes, which is when the first Captain America was released. Yes, I reckon you're right. It must be 2014. Yeah, so she she wouldn't be quite 100 because if she's 27 in 1946, she was born in 1919. And then how old do you think Stark is? Because I know you were worried about how... Yeah, there's there's a discrepancy with Stark's age here is... Mm, is he like 30? He's 29. 29, okay. So I guess he has Tony Stark when he's relatively old, which is okay. possible, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I don't actually know how old Robert Downey Jr. is. Well, I think he was around 40 when he when he was first in Iron Man. Okay. Which means that he would have been born in the late 60s, which means Howard Stark would have had to be about about 50 in his 50s okay so not like tremendously old i guess no and he is a playboy so it takes him a while to settle down yeah yeah it's just it's just that in the flashbacks when he's played by the other actor in iron man 2 he doesn't look old enough yeah at that point like it just it yeah i think it was just that if they had an older actor play him then i would have been like fine he's old he was an old dad yeah, but they were trying to have their cake and eat it. It's yeah. like when they adapted the Star Wars films and shoved Hayden in the final ghost scene. And you're like, get away, Hayden, you don't look right. Um, you're not Anakin. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know you. 
but what was interesting is that Hayley was 32 and Dominic was 36. It was quite nice to see that a woman could play younger than her age. Oh, yeah, that's true. Why? So Bridget Regan, who plays Dottie, is a natural redhead. Why did she dye her hair blonde? I think the answer is going to be quite obvious. Oh, to because they all had to be blondes? No, no. It was to avoid um, giving away that she's a proto-Black Widow. Oh, I see. So she distinguishes herself from Scarlett. Okay, right. From Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. Um, what did Hayley Atwell have to do while still in costume, full costume, like a, like a life admin task? Uh, look after her newborn baby. No, I don't, I don't know. She- I don't know if she's even a mother now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she is. Um, no, she had to go and get her driver's license photos done. So her driver's license is just um, her as Peggy Carter. <laughs> and that will forever stay with her. That's good. It's cool, right? I bet she did that on purpose. I bet, oh no, I have to get my photo done today. Oh. I have no time to get changed. I guess I'll go like this. What did Hayley Atwell say about, so her character obviously appears in Winter Soldier, very old, as we pointed out. What did she say? How did she say that would impact her show? Uh, what the character p- appearing in the Winter Soldier? Yeah. Uh, well, I guess it means that she can't technically die. Correct. She was like, it's a good thing because it means she lives a really long, fulfilled life. Yeah. They could have so many seasons. I mean, obviously, it's sad because the show was cancelled after two. But um, mm. the same can be said of Howard Stark because he hasn't had Tony Stark yet. Yeah, I think that's why everyone assumed that she, they were going to end up together. But that would be such a weird, a weird twist, you know? Um, it would be. And yeah, I'd kind of live for it. I know. I, now <laughs> I'm saying, like, as I say, it's a weird twist. You have me like getting less and less sure about what I was saying. I was like, but would it be cool? I don't know. <laughs> would it be that bad? <laughs> Quite interesting. It would be great to see Captain America's face. Um, what does the SSR stand for? Special Security Reserve. No, that's very good. That You just made that up. No, no, I, I just, I just remembered it. No, that's not it. Oh, it's not it. No, that's why I mean. Oh, I swear that was it. No, it's not. That's why I was like, wow, that's impressive. You just made that. Oh, <laughs> oh what was it? It's strategic scientific reserve. Oh, I got reserve. I got one out of three. Yeah, that's tick. Little <laughs> <laughs> um, what is Jarvis's first name? I thought Jarvis was his first name. <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, Arbuthnot. No, that's a great name, though. Name your child that. Arbuthnot Jarvis. I mean, that child's going to grow up to be a butler easily. Oh, anyone whose surname is Jarvis has to be a butler. <laughs> yes. I would change it because I like. It's I wanna, the law. <laughs> I want to be better than what I've been given. His name is Edwin. Of course, oh, Edwin, just as posh. Um, what is the name of the apartment building where she lives? Classy ladies building. I don't know. No, but that's very good voice from the Ghostbusters it's mm. I've got such a cold I'm so sorry my voice is like oh. um, the Griffith based on a real hotel called the Barbizon Hotel for Women which was apparently the same hotel upon which have you read the bell jar yeah so apparently it's the same hotel she stays at but they tweak the name in that oh okay it's not it doesn't end well for Poor old Sylvia. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Hopefully it ends better for Peggy. <laughs> it's a random connection. It is. A, yeah, I don't I don't know why. Is it like re- women is the connection? I think it's just that it's there was just one big women's famous women's hotel for like like a finishing school almost. Really oh, okay. for women. It's it's now really fancy flats, but it is mm. still there the building. So 
Mm. If you want to go on an agent car to tour when we're eventually allowed to travel again after this pandemic is over. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. We, oh, we could do it on the road, the podcast. <laughs> um, did you spot Stanley's cameo? Yeah, he was having his shoes shined next to Dominic Cooper. Yes, he was. And he wanted to borrow his newspaper. Yeah. And that is very undramatic end to the questions <laughs> let's make it dramatic dun, da, 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 end of quiz Woo! Oh, no, no. Da, 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 da. the quiz is over yes <laughs> <laughs> well i'm impressed i'm even more in love with the series and i look forward to series two even though you've hinted that it does go downhill well no i didn't hint rotten tomatoes got involved it wasn't me <laughs> Okay, it wasn't a hint. You actually told me. <laughs> Some people loved it. You can't always base it on the critics. Well, it'd be interesting to see. Yeah. What is next for us? Next is another TV series. Oh. Ah, la la. It's Daredevil. Ooh. Season one. Did you ever watch the Daredevil film with Ben Affleck? Yeah, it wasn't very good. It was not very good. So <laughs> keep that in your head and then watch this and see how you feel. And it's got Charlie Cox in it. It's very dishy. Oh, yeah. Oh, he'd have been a good Howard Stark, too. Yeah, yeah. Good, yeah. Well, I've, I've not really seen him in anything. I just saw, I just looked up pictures of him and I went, oh, yeah, he's a superhero. He's in Stardust, <laughs> isn't he? Uh, I don't know. Have you not seen Stardust? I've seen um, most of it, but not it, the entirety. Oh, I would have thought that'd be right up your street. Maybe it is, and I've just been missing out all my life. All your life ruined. All and- my life ruined because I've never seen Stardust. Yeah, I mean, watch it. It'll change your world. Well, maybe once I've watched Daredevil, I will seek out to rectify that. Who knows? We'll find out next week. We will. <laughs> mystery and excitement. Mystery and excitement. You've been listening to an episode of The Marvel Version. If you'd like to join in the conversation, you can tweet us at The Marvel Version. We hope you enjoyed the show and that you'll tune into the next fact-filled episode. I mean, the first Jurassic Park was a 12A when it came out, and that would be terrifying. <laughs> well, the original? Yeah. Really? I didn't yeah. know they didn't have 12A back then, did they? I thought it was just 12. Well, maybe it was a 12. My dad took me, and I was about three years old, so he probably shouldn't have done that. So that was your first 12-rated film you saw in the cinema? I guess so. <laughs> I know mine. I know mine. I, I, maybe, some, maybe we should ask this to other people. Like, what was your first 12-rated film? Because that was like a rites of passage that you were old enough to see a 12 rated film in the cinema. Mine was The World Is Not Enough. Oh, well, I wonder, I can't remember what my, my 12 was when I actually got to 12. <laughs> I was 11, but they let me in because I was with my dad. Oh, yeah. well, yeah. I remember my dad apparently piled all my hair on top of my head and I had these like little platform trainers because I was like a toddler. <laughs> he was like, she's 12. I'm taking her to see the dinosaurs. It'll be fine. <laughs> Wait, you said you were like three, so you must have been on stilts. I was like, no, I don't know how they, they were like, sure, I guess she has a disorder of some kind that makes her very short. Um. <laughs>